What I want us to do this morning as we go into 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is I want us to smell the smoke. How many of you have ever been to a bonfire? How many of you like a bonfire? Yeah. So, I thought it would be good if we could have a bonfire this morning. And I want each of us to have one of those in our own lives. Okay? So, in other words, your stuff's not going to burn me and my stuff's not going to burn you, but we're going to burn some stuff today. So, here's what it says. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men. Now, this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. But as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ... I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. In case you don't know, and excuse my English, but this ain't good. It is not good when the Apostle Paul writes to a church and says, you're still acting like babies. Now, it's interesting to me that in the natural world, we get it. You have an infant, and you're taking care of that infant and all the things that that infant needs to not just survive, but thrive. And we know that in doing so, that infant is eventually going to get to the place where they're self-sufficient. That's the plan. That's the goal. And I know that mother, mothers and fathers look at this differently. Moms want to keep them little, Dads want them to get out of the house. <laughs> Not that Sheila and I have ever had those discussions before. <clears throat> but the goal is for God and his kids and us and our children is for us to grow up. And so when Paul looks back at this church and he's hearing all the grumbling and all the griping that's coming out of it, he says, wait a minute, you guys are still acting like babies. He goes on and says, indeed, even now you're not able for you are still fleshly because there's jealousy and there's strife. Is that not fleshly? And you're walking like mere men. Now, what is, he, what is he saying, walking like mere men? He's saying, okay, by now you've had time in the Word, you've had time in prayer, you've had time in fellowship, you've had time in worship, and so you should be more mature, you should be farther along than you are, and yet here you are still back here acting like babies. Another way of saying it based on the Scriptures, you're still on the bottle, and you're not supposed to be. So let me say this to you very candidly today. If you're here and you're still on the bottle, you're not supposed to be. If, you, if you've had any time in the faith. Now, if you're no believer, last Sunday, Randy accepted Christ as his personal Savior. He's a new believer. We're going to give Randy some time to grow up. Now, he's an adult man now, but we'll watch him grow spiritually. But all of us who've been in the faith for any period of time should be on the road to maturity. Yeah, there may be some areas, we'll talk about those in a little bit, that we need to deal with, but for the all in all, we should be demonstrating the fact that we are not fleshly. As you guys know, one of my favorite writers is Oswald Chambers, and here's what Oswald Chambers said about this particular truth. He said, we're to walk in the Spirit, and when we walk in the Spirit, we do not fulfill the lust of the flesh, Galatians 5, 16. In other words, he says, if we're walking in the Spirit, carnality will disappear. 
fleshliness will disappear. Us making excuses for ourselves. Oh, well, I'm only human. No, you're a child of God, a saint of God. And it's time for us, in America particularly, to start acting like who we are in Christ. And here's what Chambers says. Listen carefully, please. Are you quarrelsome and easily upset over small things? This self-examination, don't be poking your mate, looking down the row. This is self-examination. Paul said that these attitudes are carnal. And the truth in the Bible that awakens us, our spirit, if we have trouble accepting what the God of the universe is saying to us through his word, and we even resent what he's saying because we don't want to do it. It's like we want another version of the Bible, and guess who we want to write it? Us. Because we want it our way. You don't think that these companies have spent millions and millions of dollars to get the captions that capture us? Have it your way. Have it your way. That's how we do life. We want it our way. Paul is saying here in Corinthians, and Chambers is supporting it with his father, his follow-up, no, it's God's way. And we surrender to him. And because we do, we start living like those who are honestly demonstrating the reality of Christ in all of our lives. So what is the proof that carnality is gone? Chambers says, do not deceive yourself because God, when he is your God, will continue to test you and try you to reveal to you what you really are because he wants your best and he wants his glory. Look what this says. I'm a servant. I've come to you. God sent me to you. And because I have, you have believed. And the Lord has given opportunity to each one. Let me back up just a notch. Some of the grumbling and all the stuff that goes on. White one will say, well, I'm a Paul. I'm a Paulus. <laughs> he says, all we are is mere men. Any of us, I don't care who it is. We're just mere men. And we get to live the life that God's given us in his spirit so that he can be honored and glorified. And see, what he's saying is, don't identify yourself with this person and say, oh, that's, that's the reason I am who I am because of Paul. No, I, because of a policy. He says, listen, one plants and the other waters, but who is it that gives the growth? It's God. It's God. Because what's happened to us, as should happen with our children, we grew them up. We helped them physically, mentally, but also Please listen carefully spiritually. I understand we've come to a time in our culture where we're handing our kids off to somebody to do everything for them and about them, and we are reaping the reward, and it is so absolutely amazingly, I I don't even have a word for it anymore. 
Because we as parents, Sam Thomas said it last week, the kids haven't changed, the parents have. It's our job. And we can fix it with the help of God. But God causes us to grow. He so desperately, desperately loves us. He so desperately loves the world that he created that he causes us to grow and reveal him to our world. So neither the one who plants or the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. In other words, there's, there's a, an end game here that God has in place. For we are God's fellow workers, and you're God's field and God's building. You know, when we read stuff like this, I'm always amazed at how, you know, we get so distracted. Well, wait a minute. He didn't say on the exact same thing. He didn't say exact same illustration. Look what Paul says. He knows there's some guys who will identify more with the building and others who will identify more with farming. And so he gives both of them. According to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. In other words, God had somebody that presented the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to your life. It may have been a family member, a friend. It may have been a pastor. Whoever it was, God had that person. And that's the foundation. The gospel is the foundation. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the foundation. But then others, God sends into our lives to help us grow. That's why I still read men like Oswald Chambers. That's why I still have friends like Sam Thomas. Because those men, either those even are dead, and I'm reading the writing that God inspired them to write, or they're friends, and I have a relationship with them. All of us have to have that. For each man shall be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is what? Anybody here got a foundation other than Jesus? If you do, please today get rid of that. That is not the will of God. That is not the way of God. That is not God's plan. That is not what God plans for us to have. It's Christ. Now, here we go. If any man builds on the foundation, the gospel of Jesus is the foundation. With gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire and the fire itself would test the quality of each man's work. Here's the bonfire. So how does God do this in our lives? So let me give you a couple personal illustrations. As a new believer, one of the, I, I'm just amazed today at the things that God did for me so early in my relationship with him. I look back and I'm just... Like, oh my God, it's just awesome what you did, God. Well, one of them was in the area of pride. I'm probably, like Frankie said, it's probably only me in the room that's ever had a problem with that. But I did. So let me give you how it kind of played out for me early on. I finished my military service, having accepted Christ in the military. I'm married. I have a child. I'm going to college. I'm pastoring a church. I finish college. I go to grad school. Grad school for me is just over two and a half hours away to drive. So I had to leave early in the morning, be there for eight o'clock classes. 
And the grad school that I went to, a bunch of weirdos, they thought that everybody there should take responsibility for something so that they could reduce their cost. It almost sounds smart, doesn't it? So when you got there and you would go through their orientation, they would tell you, you will get a letter in your mailbox and that letter will tell you what you're supposed to do, where you're supposed to serve. So I open my mailbox, I get my letter out, and here's what it says. You're to clean the men's bathrooms in the grad auditorium building. So... I'm thinking, really, God? And, of course, I, Dean of Men, I forget his name now, a great guy. Really? This is what you want me to do? I've done my military service. I've finished college. I'm married, have a child. I'm pastoring a church, and you want me to clean bathrooms? Really? So I go, but in the letter it says, you cannot start cleaning the bathrooms until after everybody has all the classes are done which is five o'clock. I still have two and a half hour drive to get home to my family. I went the first day and I cleaned it and I confess I was grumbling a little bit. And I did it the second day. And then I decided this is ridiculous. I went to the dean of men. I made my case thinking that he's going to relieve me of their responsibility, this humiliation of cleaning men's bathrooms, really. Here's what he said. He said, I'll make a concession for you. I said, what's that? He goes, you can clean them. Once you get done with class, you can go clean them, even though the classes are still going on. That way you can leave and get, to, get home to your family. Okay. Well, have you ever encountered the Holy Spirit in a bathroom? <laughs> So I go back to the bathroom, moaning and groaning about, really, how humiliating. Well, now it's even worse because now the people are coming in the bathroom, the men, not a different world back then, folks, just say, in case you didn't know, for as far as I know, they were all real men who came into the bathroom. And they would come in, and here I am, scrubbing commodes, scrubbing the urinals, wiping down the mirrors, and the Holy Spirit shows up. He says, Steve, who better to clean the men's bathroom in this grad building than you? Okay, what qualifies me for that? Well, remember in the Navy, you were one of the mastered arms. And on your ship, you and the executive officer would go on your day of rotation and you would expect the whole ship, including the bathrooms. And you know exactly how those bathrooms are supposed to be cleaned. Because if they weren't clean, then you had to go back and tell somebody what they had to do to get it clean. I said, thank you. (laughs) But then the grace of God started happening in those bathrooms. As I got past my pride and my grumbling of being in there and really was, okay, God, I'm going to do this for you. As the men came in, conversations would erupt. And I cannot tell you the amazing things that God did through those conversations as I was in there cleaning the bathrooms. But some of us are a little hard-headed. So let's fast forward to this very recently. Recently. 
How many of you have ever been to Publix in Rock Hill? How many of you have ever been to the bakery at the Publix in Rock Hill? Oh my goodness, good stuff. <laughs> it's kind of for us, family treat for birthdays. We go in and get some of these delectable desserts, you know, cakes and all this stuff. And so Sheila and Rock Hill, we have to go to Publix, but we're not going for that reason. We were just there for something else. And Sheila said, let me run in. And I went in with her and I said to myself, I'm not going to the bakery. I'm not going to the bakery. Just as we walk in the door, what happens? Here comes Christy Rector with her son, Adam. And she has just left the bakery. And she has a buggy full of those delectable desserts. And I said, I'm not going to the bakery. Well, it probably wouldn't hurt if I just went and looked at the bakery. So I go over. If you've not been... I have all these glass cases, and I started, and I'm going down those glass cases. I'm going down, I'm going down. Thinking, no, I really don't need that. That's too much sugar. I, no, I need, and I keep walking. I get to the very last case, and I'm standing there, and they have this little packet of samplers. <gasps> Three bucks. Oh. There's a lady behind the counter. I'm standing here. She's standing there. I look at her. She looks at me. I'm thinking, she's going to ask me what I want. She doesn't. And then somebody comes to the cash register behind me, and she goes and waits on them. And I turn and wait. The other issue that I have is patience. (laughs) I turn and wait, and she waits on the person. And I look at her, and she looks at me, and she just stands there. Finally, she walks over, and she walks up behind the counter, and she says, Sir, can I help you? I'm thinking... You know, is this not what you do for a living woman? I said, well, I would like to have that little sampler of those sweets right there. And here's what she said. Talking about pride and humility. Here's what she said. She says, well, then reach and get it. That was the only case that didn't have a glass cover on it. I'm standing there the whole time waiting for her to get me this dessert. And then, when that happened, I told Sheila, I said, what a great sermon illustration. How many times have the things of God been right in front of us? And we're standing there waiting on somebody else to do it for us. Kind of, we're growing up here, get it? We're standing there waiting on somebody else. I'm I'm sure they're going to help me out here. And God's saying, child, just reach and get it. It's your blessing. It's my grace for you. It's my love extended. Just reach and get it. So just kind of take that as a note because it was one of those times where God would say, okay, Steve, you know, there's still a little bit of pride in there. Let me just take care of that. So here I am humbled. And then like earlier today, I walked up here forgetting the announcement that I recorded to play in, in front of you guys. Okay, just run the announcement. God has such an amazing way of taking those things. See, to me, that's the fires to burn away. The wood, the hay, and the stubble. And here's the deal. We want to have that fire here. We don't want to have that fire later. Now, as I was telling my little story, I'm sure you had some too. You know, I can go back. I mentioned patience. And so, uh, by the way, Mark, Mark always talks about, you know, he was raised with a mom and two sisters. And he's married and has three daughters and all the women in his life. I was raised with my mom and four sisters. Got you, brother. <laughs> And then, when Sheila and I got married, we had two girls, and for 12 years, it was just me, Sheila, and the two girls. And then finally, Jordan came along and had a little help. So I know about women. 
of what I'm saying. Let me rephrase that. That would be really... No, 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 no. Let me rephrase and say, I know some things about women. The one thing I don't want to do, because this is God still working on my patience, is to pull up to a gas station, self-service gas station, and a woman is getting gas in front of me. Because I know what's going to happen. One, she does not get her... Ladies, I'm picking on you. Just throw rocks later. I don't care. She is not going to get her card out until she gets to the pump. And then she's going to fumble through her purse to get her card out. And she's going to put the gas... And she's not going to hold the lever. Oh, no, she's going to put it on automatic. And go back in the car and get on the phone and do whatever... And finally, the pump kicks off because the tank is full. And she makes her way out. And she goes over. And, oh, she has to have a receipt. So we're waiting on that receipt. And we're at the pump where it doesn't work. And then she gets back in the car. Now, see, if, if this is a guy, that's when you put it in drive. You know, I'm, I'm next. Oh, no. Oh, she's going to get in. Pull the mirror down. Check her makeup. I don't know what pumping gas has a woman's makeup. It must mess it up. I don't know. Oh, and she forgot to put her card back in her purse. So God is still teaching me patience on that one. But let me tell you one that I actually learned. It was really good. So back to Sheila and the two girls. And so years ago, I would get up early on Sunday morning. I would get ready and I would leave the house. I go to the office, much like I do now today, still coming here early in the morning for prayer and study. And in plenty of time to make sure we're the first ones there, I would go home. And when I get home, guess what? They're not ready. For whatever reason. And so used to, I would stand at the door, the open door. I'm standing by the door and I'm... I'm thinking that, you know, maybe if I hear, they hear me, that it made no difference. And one day, the Holy Spirit showed up. Don't you just love it when he does that? He says, see, what, what are you doing? You can't hear my tapping? I'm waiting on, on the women in my life, you know, come on. He goes, well, why are you wasting your time? Because I'm waiting on them. He said, wouldn't this be a great time for you to pray? I can't tell you how much prayer time I've gotten in since that day. (laughs) Those fires that we, you know, I'm not sure what we think of when we talk about the stuff burning up, but what it is, it's the little test that God brings into our lives so those things can burn up. Pride, impatience, whatever it is that he wants out of our life so that we can truly demonstrate to our world who our Christ is and how the Holy Spirit of God, as Paul talks about, the Holy Spirit of God in our life makes all the difference, and we handle life differently. For example, James chapter 3. If I get in trouble these days, it's typically with what? This. I know better. I do. And for the most part, just letting you know, God's grown me. I keep it shut pretty well. Once in a while. It'll slip out. And I'll say, really? That came out of my mouth. 
And see, here's the cool thing about God is the moment that happens. Now, sometimes you can't, you can't collect all the feathers of something you've said because it's like collecting feathers in the wind. But the moment that the Holy Spirit convicts you, you confess that sin, you repent of that sin, and you do whatever it is in your power to make it right. With whomever, you need to make it right. That's, that's what happens to us when we grow up in the grace of God and when we're building this life and we're having the, the gold and the silver and the precious stones. See, they all get tested with fire. Even the, the silver and the gold because the fire is what? Taking out the impurities so they can be something absolutely special and amazing to give to our Christ. But it's all going to be tested. So it's tested here, or it's tested in the judgment. For if any man's work which he has built on remains, he receives a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. I don't want to just get in by the fire. I hope and pray to God you do not either. But I want the fire to burn now. Holy Spirit, bring that fire in my life. Burn up the wood, the hay, the stubble. Anything that is not of you, God, burn it up. If it means that I'm humiliated standing in front of a counter that I can reach and get something when I'm waiting on somebody else to serve me, then fine. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes for that to be gone from my life, that is my desire, my heart cry. For do you not know that you're the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Do you not know that? By the way, just so you understand that we're talking about here, that's not just now here while we're here in this building. That is every day, every hour, every moment, every second. How we respond to that, how we walk that out is how God works in our lives Spirit of God dwells in me. That person. Again, you probably don't have those people. I have a few of them who just keeps irritating me. They know, or at least I believe they know the right thing to do, but they don't do it. It's a spirit in me. If any man destroys the temple of God or how are we taking care of the temple? How are we taking care of the temple? For his temple is holy. And that is what you are. And that's what I am. And that's what we are. And that's what every child of God is. His temple. 